Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and today's guest is Javi Sexy Hamilton, better known as Javier Munoz. Oh, my goodness. This guy is so honest and so raw and truthful about so much that happens in his life. And I don't know if anybody uh, really knows about this much, but uh, he was diagnosed with cancer during his run uh, during the premiere of Hamilton when it was transferring over to Broadway and everything. And just this incredible ride in an incredibly hard time in his life that that he opens up with. And uh, we get into that near the end of the episode. So make sure you you stick through to hear that conversation because it is so just beautiful. And Javi, thank you for sharing. If you're listening to this now, just amazing, amazing, amazing. And I've met him a couple times on the red carpets. And now uh, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to sit down with him for more than a couple minutes and, and just talk and like the light and the energy and the 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 optimism I don't know giggliness if that's a word the giggliness he brings with him is is contagious and I truly enjoyed just really getting to know him in this interview and I hope you will too so find me online Instagram Twitter TikTok and Facebook leave me a rating and a review those five stars always help or four or three whatever just leave a rating make you make yourself known Everybody, now, please enjoy this episode with Javier Munoz. Here you go. One, two, three. Our guest today is probably one of the coolest dudes that I know. He's got stage credits that include the 2006 New York Musical Theater Festival, Off-Broadway, Hit All His Love, In the Heights, and of course, Hamilton, where he took over for Lin-Manuel and earned the title of Sexy Hamilton. TV and film credits include, of course, the 2021 release of In the Heights, Blindspot, Odd Mom, Out, Shadow Vaults, Eureka, Central Park, Quantico, and Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. He is now starring alongside Jesse Mueller in My Heart Says Go, a musical concept album now available streaming everywhere that everybody just needs to stream holy shit javier munoz thank you for coming on the theater podcast <laughs> thank you for having me that was like the best introduction ever yes score <laughs> uh, that's, that's what i'm all about i spend my entire day writing one paragraph and then we freeform it all right so you uh we were just chatting before you before we started recording that you're um you're up in the heights you still live in the heights i used to live in washington heights and for, yes. for those who don't know um uh, the New York City area. Washington Heights is essentially a different country for as long as it takes to get there on the train sometimes. <laughs> this is actually true. If the A train yeah. is not running and you're on local or, you know, you're taking that local bus up, you know, you may as well just walk. <laughs> yeah, you may as well just not go home that night. Right, exactly. I, I, had a, I had a girl once who just broke up with me simply because she lived in, in the East Village and I was in Washington Heights and she's like, it's too far away. No yeah, way! Yeah, too far away. She just wanted, she wanted like that, that five to ten minute cab ride, Lord. and just didn't work. So well, you dodged a bullet. <laughs> I, th I think I did. I think I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty did. good where I am now. <laughs> but you will. So you grew up. You, you grew up uh, in that area too, right? Or did you grow up in? In in the New York area, though. Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. And, uh, right. Yeah, so the neighborhood I grew up in is um, 
East New York, Brooklyn, and I grew up specifically in the Linden projects of East New York in the 1970s and 80s where with the highest crime rate in all of New York City. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So so growing up there though, um around I mean, did you were you experiencing crime, were you seeing crime and then like the next natural progression is like, oh, of course I'm going to be on Broadway. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a violent, it was a violent childhood. Yes, it was. It was, you know, the eighties were rough in New York and we were at the heart of it. Um, so all the gang stuff that happened and all the crazy stuff that was literally my, that was my everyday yeah. <laughs> as a kid. Uh, but you know, we got out of there when I was about 12 and moved around all over the place. But, um, but no theater didn't enter my life until high school. I had, no designs on anything creative, artistic, theatrical until my freshman year in high school. I was a science nerd. Really? Oh, yes. Um, I, I would say still are because that that type of way of thinking does not just simply go away. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> you are accurate. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Totally. Well, then, I'm... What, are, what are you into? out the? Okay, complete non sequitur. What are you into... Uh, that's totally like the nerdiest science thing you can think of. Because I, I just attended a, 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 a talk the other day on quantum computing, which like I still am excited about. Like that kind of stuff really makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, I don't know, the, like, the nerdiest thing, I guess. Uh... Nerdy's a good thing, by the way. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, of course it is. I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the nerdiest thing would be. I... I, I... I, I like guess reading right about the now, fourth dimension and quantum computing well, I mean, and string theory, sure. And all yeah, that stuff is, is yeah. pretty fascinating. And it's also entertaining, right? Because there's like endless possibilities when you're talking about that, those theories. But I think, I think actually uh, the, the nerdiest thing right now for me is I'm, I'm, and maybe it's not so nerdy, but it's, it's actually just our planet. It's actually us. It's, uh, it's, it's really sort of, an, you know, the investigations that we have, the explorations, I should say, that we have of environments on other planets and just learning how the that compares to to us and where we are right now mm -hmm. is pretty fascinating to me that's great i there there's so much we don't know actually and i i was uh, involved in another interview um uh, a few days ago about somebody um who was saying that e now, I mean, uh, trans people and reproductive rights and so many things are in the news, not necessarily for a good way, but um, it is good in that we are now starting to talk about this on a, on a wide scale in a way that we need yes. to. Uh, sure. But women's rights, reproductive health specifically, even fem female doctors c coming out of med school are given like a day, a week, sometimes a month on female reproductive history or or whatnot if, and yeah, if that, if yeah, yeah, that yeah. and they're like all right go out and do and do things right yeah. and i can't remember any clue about why i just brought that up <laughs> <laughs> but wait what were we talking about before that i was talking about the environment oh yeah yeah, yeah. so everything like so and but but i'm connected to this through people in the theater industry who uh, are very passionate about it so case in point yes, that there I are see. still people uh like yourselves who just dig this kind of uh thing like you gotta have a hobby that's not identifying yourself with your job right oh my God. otherwise there's gotta be go more next. to you than than just your your art yeah i mean your art is pretty much everything but your life has to be full right 
Well, what do you do? What do you do for for that fullness outside of performing? Because performing is is a certain bucket. You've got other buckets that ha that have to get filled. Then yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I I I, <laughs> you know, I, I used to joke when I was younger, my twenties, just starting out, that like I had to diversify my portfolio, so to speak. You know, I had to like make sure that I had, you know, my foot in in a lot of doors um to 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 make sure i wouldn't stop working but in truth what i was doing was just really exploring all the things that i was fascinated by and, and into um and it's all creative you know so i i guess creatively artistically it's not just theater i'm doing film i'm doing tv i'm doing uh, i'm writing a book i'm doing voiceover work um i am trying to resist the urge to start a podcast because it's really tempting but i just don't want to i happen to know a guy <laughs> i know yeah, no. i happen to know a guy i think who could help you get set up it's it's you know that's gotta wait it's gotta wait i <laughs> i I'm, I'm trying to do too much right now um but i i mean there's there's just there's a, a, a whole plethora of stuff i'm doing creatively but outside of that you know, then comes my activism and my activism is really deep and goes for, for decades. And, and that's on HIV AIDS, that's on LGBTQ protections and rights and equality, that's on arts and education, that's on literacy. That's on, I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I'm all over the place with that stuff, but I, that also has, that actually came before my creative life was my activism. Um, but then just like me, like I don't know, I I I'm, I'm I just I'm I'm a really friendly guy who just wants to be around people. So I'm always with my friends. I'm always trying to make plans with them. I mean, and it's nothing crazy. Just like a cup of coffee and sit on a bench and like make sure that I'm connected to the people in my life. Um, because that's you, you just have to have a full, well-rounded life. You cannot make your art everything. Was was the pandemic hard from that from being like being isolated? Lord of mercy, the pandemic was excruciating <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, you know, thank goodness for Zoom and and being able to at least connect with people that way. Um, but not having physical contact mm -hmm. was uh, horrendous. But I also personally was going through a breakup with my partner who I was living with at the time. And, and we did end the relationship while in lockdown and i moved into the spare room and it was quite an experience wow. so <laughs> yeah it was a little difficult it was a little difficult wow uh so okay so much of that i want to back up again though <laughs> high school yes. high school when you discovered you could you had a, a love for theater or what was that moment did you see something or a person yes. or a performance what made what made it click so um so like i was saying so, so Brooklyn in, in 1989, which is my freshman year in high school, is an incredibly, you know, rough and violent place. And the smart thing to do was to travel in groups and numbers. And so um, my friends were in the theater program. My high school had a planetarium and I was there for astrophysics. So <laughs> I went, I, I basically, so that I could not have to go home alone and certainly not have to go home right after school because you just did not want to be on the bus right after school. That's when all the craziness happened. You wanted there to be hours between school ending and you actually commuting home. Wow. It was a strategy. And so 
I would go to the library and I would hang hang out there. I would do my homework. I would do projects, whatever. And then I would cut to the the theater lobby of the high school and wait for my friends in the lobby of the theater. And we'd go home together by bus or a parent would drive us home, whatever. And I, I mean, weeks, months went by. I never, never set foot in the theater. And there was this one random day. And it's the, you know, during the first half of freshman year, I walk into the theater and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit in the back. I'm going to wait quietly for my friends and, and just see what's going on in here. And I, you know, I went in and they were in tech. They were teching Annie Get Your Gun, Sun in the Morning, Moon at Night. My friends are in the number. They're on stage in costume. The, the director's down front and I'm just sitting in the back real quiet. The house is dark. And I just felt swept away by it. I'd slid, I could, I could, I can remember the air. It's so clear in my memory what that moment was. Everything about it, everything about it is so clear in my memory. I was so taken away by it all. And I just said, I, I just sat there and asked myself, why are you not doing this? And the next musical was The King and I, and I decided to audition. And I got cast as an Amazon guard. I had <laughs> no lines. I had no lyrics. I sang no songs. And I, and I kid you not, I absolutely knew that this was what I needed to do. This was what I needed to do. And I changed my focus from astrophysics to theater to drama. And much to the dismay of my family, um, and and even my brothers were just like, "What are you doing?" Um, but I I did it, and the rest is history. Astrophysics to theater. <laughs> that that's one of those moments where, in a parallel universe, you've won like Nobel prizes for <laughs> for developing cold fusion and traveling to Mars and all that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as well as a Tony for writing some great big musical. Right, right. About there's, astrophysics. There's one string theory where everything happens. <laughs> yeah, combine it combine it all together. Your next project, you write your book about a musical, about <laughs> astrophysics, and then podcast the creation of it. There you go. Done. That's everything wrapped all together. <laughs> I'd but, like to visit that dimension. <laughs> make it this dimension. That's all. I, that, that's just put it out there. Oprah style. There you okay, go. Okay. Um, I, I was reading, too, that that you had actually decided to abandon acting to oh, accept yes. and was about to accept or had accepted a full time job as a manager at the restaurant 44 and a half in Hell's Kitchen. Wow. You have done your homework. Holy moly. OK, so, yeah. So this is actually a little bit. Of a, of a lengthy story. And I just want to preface it by saying that my parents are alive and healthy and well. So what happens is it's 2002. I have just, and I'm very open about my, you know, my part of my platform is, is sharing my HIV status that I've, I've been HIV uh, positive since 2002. And I've been living openly with it since 2005. And it's 2002. I have moved back to New York to uh, help support my parents because in this in in the year of 2000 uh, 2003 to 2004 my parents were both diagnosed with cancer in the same year. Wow. So I moved back with HIV, they both have cancer, we become this sort of like invincible superhero team taking care of each other and we're going to see each other through this. I uh, I I'm desperately auditioning for everything under the sun no one gives two craps about me i'm invisible in this industry in new york at that time no one sees me 
I am not booking anything. And I, I feel the burden that I, I feel I'm becoming a burden on my parents financially. And so I quit the business and I took a job as a general manager of 44 and a half, <laughs> which I don't think exists anymore. Um, but it was a new restaurant in Hell's Kitchen at the time. And I, <laughs> I was so freaking miserable. Um, and not because restaurants are miserable. They're tough. But they're not miserable. But I just wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing or what I knew I should be doing. It wasn't filling but buckets. It was, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. So it, it, it's, it was a really insane time. And cut to my, one of my dearest and oldest college friends who wrote his, he's at that point written his first musical. Uh, he has written a part for me in it. And this is the, this is the era of beepers right? We didn't have cell phones yet. So he is blowing up my pager <laughs> message after message after message. He just, he needs me to do this, this, um, this workshop. He wants to, cause he's, you know, workshopping get to get producers involved and such. And I, I, you know, I, I just, I cave, I say, you know what? Fine. This is my swan song. This is the last thing I'm doing. I have to stay focused on like, I have health insurance. I have an income i can help my parents like this is serious i can't i can't do this anymore so but you know okay we'll do this one last one so the first day of rehearsal i am uh you know we're learning music there's only one actress in the room who i don't know and she she's staring at me this whole time and i'm actually feeling quite uncomfortable by it and i get a i get a message on my pager later that that night she is part of the development of a new musical and she just thinks I'd be perfect. They're auditioning for this one character and, and she just she just really thinks I, I would I would be really perfect for it. And I I'm a firm believer in the universe knocking at your door sometimes. And I, I just was like, you can't ignore this. Like this is kind of ridiculous. You have to at least talk to her. So I invite her to the restaurant in between lunch and dinner. <laughs> uh, we sit at a table. She hands me a script and she hands me a CD and she has, you know, <laughs> tells me to pop it into, you know, my, my portable disc man, which I have at the time. And, um, and I she wants me to listen to the first track and I'm listening to the opening number to In the Heights and it's Lynn rapping the opening number as Usnavi. And I, I, I'm just, I listen to the whole thing and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm already blown away. I, at this point had never heard anyone try to bring legitimate hip-hop rap to the stage i've right. heard like you know versions and, and tr attempts at it that were like that's not really hip-hop but okay you know that's cool you know but it, it just you know wasn't lynn's authenticity was so clear in that in that opening number and i freak i freaked out i just i was floored and i asked her can i can i take the script home can i read it and can i you know listen to this and get back to you tomorrow she says yes and um, the next day, that night, I read the script, I listen to the whole demo. And you know, I mean, you know the, the show, there's up at this point in our industry, every, any role that was Latin was thug number one and, you know, drug dealer number five. Mm -hmm. it, it, we, we, we were caricatures, we weren't real people in, in entertainment. And so I'm reading this script and there's no gangs and there's no violence and, and these, these characters have integrity and they're hardworking and they're loving and it could be my family on this page and it's 
it's like, how can I say no to this? So I absolutely say yes to the audition. The audition is for a character named Lincoln, who would later be cut from the show. Lincoln mm -hmm. was Nina's brother. And um, I go in, it was for two weeks at MTC. It was a, a two week development workshop at an MTC. I go into the audition and I book it, but it's, you know, here I am with Lynn and Lack and Kiara and Bill and, you know, it's the whole team. So Tommy, you know, it's like, it's, it's crazy. And, and uh, I book the two weeks and I say yes. And not only is that, you know, the, the beginning of my friendship, which is the foundation of my working creative relationship with Lynn to then, you know, we create the roles of Usnavi together and the role of Hamilton together. And so that's the birthplace of it. And it starts with our friendship before we build this creative, you know, unique, very unique relationship that we have with each other creatively. But also my parents come to the final presentation and we get home. We're living in Coney Island at the time. And uh, they sit me down in the kitchen and they tell me, you can't quit. You can't stop doing this. We'll figure it out. We have to figure it out. Wow. And it's, it's, it's that whole moment of In the Heights at MTC that brings me back to theater. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. That is so, so sweet that your parents saw this in you. Like they, they could tell, they've got to be able to tell, like as, as a parent myself, I can tell yeah. what makes my kids glow, what, yeah. what they're really excited about. And like coming home, not having your buckets filled by managing a restaurant and then coming <laughs> home after two weeks and feeling like you have, you're on top of the world. Yeah. Oh, 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 big yes. applause to your parents for, <laughs> for pushing you, giving you the permission, I think, to get over that, what is that guilt, I guess, right? For just yeah. like feeling like a burden because they, they said, yeah, we'll make it work. We're in it together. I love that. I, your yeah. parents seem like very, very cool people. <laughs> it was, it was, an, it, I mean, it was a turning point in my entire life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Every, everything was. And, and I've, I've chatted with, with Lynn once or twice and all the crew, um, so many people and, there's like, I don't know how to put this any other way except that everybody loves each other in a, in a, in, there's a love and a respect. Um, and it was kind of apparent, like when I was talking with Tommy Kale most recently, uh, interviewed him for up here because you know, the show on Hulu that just came out yeah. and interviewed him with Sonia Taya and they okay. had never met before they decided like they'd known each other, respect each other, wanted to work together and never had an opportunity to really get to know each other until up here. And the two of them immediately two peas in a pod, because this is something that Tommy also reiterated when um, I was talking with him years ago for uh freestyle of Supreme, 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 yes. <laughs> was that he makes art and is around people who make art because they have to, not because, like it's it's who they are. It's it's what speaks yeah. to their souls. And the way that you just described how you are, you know, not at the restaurant, but in rehearsals, and the way that you're collaborating with this whole crew of people, everyone you named off, that has created this this magic together. Yes, it's it's it seems like a family and a support system that just 
will not go away. And and yeah. for, for very good reason. You're 100% correct that, that that we are still in each other's lives. We still, I mean, we, we come together for funerals and birthdays and weddings and you know, that these, these folks are, it's, it's beyond what we did within the Heights. It's like, it's life. You know, I, I, I still have, I still have this, you know, group chat with Kiara and Lynn and I, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we, we, the crux of it is we, we share photographs of sunsets with each other, but then we're also just like BSing with each other all the time. But it's like, we, we, we just, you know, it's this really sort of nurturing, loving thing that we just, have had for years at this point. Yeah, 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 it's true. Well, what does it feel like when when you're, you know, you've, you've created this masterpiece, you've helped develop In the Heights, which has just gone on to set the, the groundwork for so many amazing things like Hamilton, which you also were a part of, which has also set the groundwork for so many amazing things. But to have In the Heights come back as a big budget in your face, you can't ignore this because it's a story that has to be told movie that yes. like what is what do you remember when you first heard that that was coming all back Ooh. <laughs> um this is what i love is that about this is kiara and lynn waited they the, the movie was supposed to be made when the musical was still out no kidding and they, they really held on to the integrity of the piece they wanted to wait and fight and 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 not just do the money but like wait to do it right and they did, and they really did. And I, I remember the buzz because we, you know, the original cast got, you know, uh, Alex Lack got us together to record the the music, to record all the, all those those backing vocals. I mean, of hmm. course, everyone in the movie is singing, obviously, but but a lot of the group stuff was us, you know, singing ensemble, and. And which is where I started, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it 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 brought us all back together way before the news broke about the film, and and we got to record at uh, the Barishnikov Center, which used to be Thirty Seven Arts, which is where we uh, debuted in the Heights um, off Broadway. So we got to go back in that building and record wow. there, and it was. I mean, I can't even tell you it it. it it's such that that show and that experience is just unlike anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. We all, every last one of us, and I don't think you get this all the time. I really don't. But we all were so in love with what we were doing. And it wasn't just because we were, you know, performing or, or, or just getting to do what we do or just uh, having a good time. Like, no, we were in love with the mission of this story of the representation of the the hopefulness of it the possibility of it what it could do what it would the potential of its impact we were so in love with it and would have done anything for it and it was across the board there's no one who would say otherwise that it just also happened that we all were in love with each other too so it was just it was all just one incredible mission stemming from our hearts that poured into that to think that it was going to be a feature film was just like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, and and it was such a thrill to get back together and record together. And and I don't know if you know the Easter eggs. Do you know some of the Easter eggs in the film with the vocals and the opening number when I've never been north of 96th Street? That's Janet 
that's Janet DeCal's voice coming out of that that actress on the screen. Oh. <laughs> and in the in the club scene, when when uh, that ginormous Dominican guy comes up to Vanessa and is like, "Hey, you, who, you, who, me?" That's my voice coming out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It was so random. Literally, Lynn texted me. It, it, it was some that group, that chat that uh, Kiara, Lynn, and I have. He he didn't know, Lack knew, but Lynn didn't know, and he was listening and was like, "Wait a minute, that's Tommy." And so he like he he's texting me. Kiara's like, "Listen, this is you." I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> this was during lockdown, of course. But yeah, this the the whole you know that that film. I couldn't be more proud of it. Anthony was so perfect, so unbelievably mm-hmm. perfect. Everyone in that cast was just, oh my God, like a complete dream. And then to get to meet them, we got to meet each other in a recording studio and it was a love fest. You know what I mean? Like, it's so beautiful to see how the impact of that musical on them right? The stories of when they saw the musical, when they came and saw the show, saw us on stage, you know, and the end, here they are full circle getting to do the film and then meeting us and we get to meet them and lift them up. And it was, you know, and I, I follow all of them. They're all so beautiful and wonderful and doing incredible things. And, and, and it's that thing, you know, Priscilla always told us when we started rehearsal, she goes, she would, she would always tell us, years from now you have no idea what impact this is going to be on people and they're going to stop you and tell you and share this with you you know and she and she was so right she just because that's her elder experience at the time wow. knowing that what this show would be for our community and she was so right it was one of those moments where we're watching these young artists take it and run and and yet they know where it came from they know what we did they know how we sacrificed they know how hard it was to get that thing done and they paid homage to it and then they took it and went even further. And it's it's one of my favorite. I watched that movie 10 to 12 times. The night we got the, all of us who did the recording, we got a, a trailer uh, link. So we got to watch the, the film before it got released. I easily watched it like 10 to 12 times wow. in the same night. One after the other, <laughs> after the other, after the other. I could not stop. I so was you didn't sleep. tears and joy and <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the the way that, yeah, you're right. The way that story, again, has influenced, has touched and and has changed just the the industry. Like it's just been this domino effect of everyone coming together in the perfect way. And I think at the perfect time in society as well, because this is when social media all of a sudden just exploded. So you've got starting. Yeah, you've got a show for that for the first time is incorporating music that younger people typically aren't going to hear so it's a gateway into wanting to watch it wanting to listen and getting you into the into the stage door or into the uh the the door of the house so you can go sit down and see these things and again inspiring um a new generation of of writers and creators which now i think is the perfect segue to to talk about my heart says go because now this came out of the mind of a college student. Yes, it did. Who was probably in middle school or high school, or early high school for Hamilton. So I just talked with Jesse Mueller about the album. Yes. Just 
uh, you're both so incredible in it. But uh, she she was describing it, and I'm going to use this. She described it as sort of like this perfect combination of of Lynn and and Jonathan Larson. I right? love that. I love that. <laughs> That's really beautiful. That's well put. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you yeah. So I guess first off having this type of work come to you and and the offer of you saying uh being, you know you're listening to this or i don't even know how you how you got involved with the project you can answer <laughs> that but like was it they, did they send you a thumb drive was it an email with you know or was it messenger owl with a cd on the on the town but Could you imagine yeah <laughs> that's how they that's how they give you all the casting announcements for harry potter it's all messenger <laughs> owl <laughs> but this this is this my heart says go is the literal embodiment of what you two of the biggest things in our industry that you help to create now have created something brand new that is just beautiful so beautiful it's completely beautiful i i this uh, jorge is brilliant he's brilliant and i told him so i this came at me so this was this happened to be one of you know, the random days where I just truly had nothing to do, like no self tapes, no coming auditions, no project, you know, that I have to be prepping for. Like it was a random day where I just had nothing. I could literally just click off and relax. I was laying on the couch, was watching some TV and I get an email from my reps. This offer came in and uh, I'm reading through and in the breakdown of it, it just sparked my curiosity already, um, just because of of the the format that they were very uh, straightforward with. That it would not be production; it would be a cast recording, and the whole point is to make this affordable. You know, licensing costs for theaters anywhere are out of this world, and if you're trying to to, to produce theater for locally. You know, the money you've got to raise for that is astronomical. So the point of this was create beautiful, incredible art that can be affordably done anywhere by anyone, you know. And I was hooked by that. I was really curious, like, what is this? What is this? And it also, it you know, the, the email also sparked my interest because Jorge and Matt, you know, created this in college at Notre Dame. And so I immediately was just like, well, that's like Lynn when he, you know, started nights, you know, in college. <laughs> Wesleyan, you know, so I was like, huh. So I, I go ahead and I press play on the, they sent me a, a handful of songs to listen to. And the breakdown of the character with, of the father and, you know, what the, what the, what the whole sort of plot line would be. And so I popped the first song in and I kid you not, this is this is this is the honest truth. When we were at MTC and we were, I was first starting to work with Lynn. Um, Lynn would send us music via MP3s uh, on email, and it was always Lynn like singing along and rapping along to. Um, gosh, I forgot the music program Apple had way back when. Can't garage, garage, garage band, yeah, yeah. So like a garage band breakdown of like whatever song he'd written for rehearsal the next day, you know, what changes and such. So I'm, I'm so used to my, my impression, my, my first and only impression of Lynn is having my headphones in sitting on my computer, you know, that used to sit in front of a window in my bedroom in Coney Island. And, 
and and hearing him you know sing a melody and i'd have to like break that down get ready for rehearsal practice it that's my first introduction to working with him you know is that's how he sent to you music and i'm listening to, to jorge and i'm listening to the cadence and his rap i'm listening to the inner rhymes i'm listening to the the the, the percussiveness i'm listening to the to just to, to all of it all of the technicality of what he's written and i i'm literally brought right back to that mo to that bedroom sitting at that desk listening to lynn i got so emotional i got so moved by 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 what he evoked in me by what jorge evoked in me from just the beginning of that song i didn't finish listening i literally wrote back yes wow i was like this is i'm meant to be doing this this is not by accident. This it's, is the universe again. This is, so I gotta, good. I gotta meet this kid and I gotta do this with him. I didn't even bother listening to the rest of the songs. So I think a few days before rehearsal when I started practicing. We're gonna take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. That's insane. And, yeah. and I mean, it's just cool. You just know, you just know. Well, and. He, well, besides just knowing, it's 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 the influence. I could hear it. I could hear that Lynn was so important to his ear and his heart and his art, his artist. And it just it 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 made so much sense. To just yep. And the story, yes. the story too. It's first generation college student uh, who ho yeah. who wants to be a singer songwriter and is defying his father because yes. his father wants him to go to med school. Like. Yes. There's got to be some sort. Was there a personal relation to that, or is I mean, it seems that's oddly specific. Uh, 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 oh, for for Jorge. For Jorge, I, yeah. I I don't know if it was Jorge or Matt, but I believe so. Yeah, there is a, there is a personal thing going on there. But but what was so interesting to me is Lincoln, the plot line for Lincoln that no one ever got to know, and in the Heights was the conflict with his father. Really, his father wanted. Lincoln to take over the taxi dispatch and right. Lincoln wanted to be a singer and songwriter. And so when I saw that break and I was like, oh, this is this is crazy. Well, this, is, <laughs> this is your role coming back for you in a completely different way. Right. Only this time I get to be the dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. It's awesome. It's really, That's really so cool. Well, yeah. my heart goes, my heart says go. It's available now everywhere you stream yes. music. And I've listened to it through twice not gonna lie it's right i just, know it's Please. just good it's so good yeah. so i want to i want to go to a serious note before we kind of wrap up here a little bit and um because you talked about uh being hiv positive and you're activist yeah. about um very you're very vocal about hiv and aids and then also um you're a cancer survivor as well yes. and yes. you were doing you got your diagnosis during hamilton during right hamilton. yeah yes, what was yes, so tell us about that that period Whew. you know no one ever asked me about this I, I i i have um i have purposefully and i'm not saying i won't i won't answer this i will answer this um but this is this is something i i i'm still not at peace with hmm. let's put it that way um in the world of cancer survivors being called warriors and and i and i get it um i've never felt that way and I still don't feel that way. And I still have a whole journey with my own body that I'm still going through over that. Um, so I shy away from, 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 you know, sharing a lot with it 
in terms of it. But what I can share is, is that Hamilton was, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. I was already in the throes of, of, of the, you know, the tidal wave that Hamilton was. And, and, and we, I, I felt like we were all just holding on by the seat of our pants because it was moving so fast and getting so big. And I remember, I remember the moment of op- our first preview at the public and I was standing across the street, taking in the building and just thinking to myself, after tonight, it doesn't belong to us anymore. It's going to belong to everybody. And what is that going to be like? Wow. Like I just had that moment with myself because I just felt like the show is, is incredible. I just have no idea what the impact's going to be. And cut to our Broadway production. And we've already exploded off Broadway. Um, our opening night on Broadway was the most ridiculous star-studded event of the year. <laughs> I mean, it was bonkers. And our opening night party and every, you know, it just everything felt really you sort of were just caught in the in the in in the wave, you know, in the riptide and just just going with it so that you don't drown because there's a lot coming at you at all times. And but it was exciting. I say that in like a thrilling, exciting way. It was it was like nothing else. And it it really had this feeling like we were on top of the world, or at least that's how I felt. And and my health took a turn and my body said, uh had another plan for me and i you know when i was doing in the heights i was i was going through a lot of medication changes um that was a transition from uh, what were called cocktail combinations which was a clever way of saying multiple medications through several times a day to uh suppress the virus in my body to one a days one a day medications were just breaking through and I was transitioning from the the combination treatment to one a day treatment, and it was a horrific transition. Hmm. Uh, I missed such a multitude of shows. I couldn't perform. I could barely get out of bed sometimes. The side effects from things were so severe. And realistically, you know, I couldn't sustain performing Usnavi, and they had to let me go. And I was still contracted, but. Um, it just, I, I physically couldn't do it. And that's, that's when I left, you know, I, I basically, they were replacing me for the sake, for the good, for the sake of the show. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it, it took a long time for me to, to sort of be able to separate my personal experience from that and my heart from that versus the actual business of that, right? The show I couldn't I couldn't sacrifice the show for my health like I couldn't function in this process of trying to find a medication to keep me alive essentially and that had to come first right so when I found myself in a similar situation with Hamilton um, I hit it I hit it from everybody I hit it from my family I hit it from my friends I hit it from the cast um, my behavior was erratic and irregular and that was all coming from treatment and I was exhausted and, um, you know, coming up with excuse after excuse with everybody just to not have to talk about it and not let anyone know a single person know anything like I, I could do this. I can do this. I can do this. 
until I couldn't, until I absolutely couldn't. And I called my stage manager and he was the first person that I told. And then it was a snowball from there. Um, and I mean, I had surgery in the first person, the very first person I had to tell was my brother, uh, cause he had to be there to take me home. But the first person within Hamilton who I called and spoke with was my stage manager. And then it was just, you know, went from there. And I remember feeling so terrified that I was going to lose Hamilton. <laughs> I was going to lose this beautiful experience. I was going to lose all of it. And the opposite happened. And I mean, everyone was so loving. Everyone was so supportive. I was out of my mind through treatment and everything and just trying to function. But they supported me through it and saw me all the way through as a cast, as a, a, a company, from the producers to the creatives to everybody. I mean, I can't tell you how many times our producing team would call me or email me or text me or something and just say, how are you? What do you need? You know, uh, everybody. I mean, Leslie and Betsy and... <laughs> Renee and Chris, you know, and Lynn, of course, and like just everyone sort of having their moment. Um, and it was hard. It was incredibly hard, but it was waiting for me when I was ready and I was healed and I was strong enough. Um, and that was a journey and a half. And I remember, I remember my first show back and I was, oof. it's really, um, as I mentioned, and I preface this with, everything's still pretty raw, which is why I'm, I'm, I don't always talk about it. Um, but I remember, I remember the the final entrance Hamilton has to make as uh, Eliza's singing at the front of the stage, the finale, and um, I could, I, I, I was off stage, and it, it, my, like my emotions beat me to it. Right, I was trying to stay in. In the in the moment on stage, I have to, I'm not done. You're not done. You have to finish the show. You're, you're like <laughs> seconds away, and I I couldn't. Uh, I looked at my I looked at my cast, and I I just couldn't believe the the that I was there, that I got through it, that I was alive, and that they all had my back. They were lifting me up throughout the entire show, and uh, I couldn't control the tears. And I was walking up to to Pip and I'm, I'm, you know, trying, I was like, Jesus Christ, hold it together. You're not supposed to be crying in this moment, dude, <laughs> come on. And, and I couldn't, I just couldn't, uh, it was a struggle. And then I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of course looking at, at Pippa and just seeing her is making me emotional and I turn and the next person I see is Renee and that makes me emotional. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't do this. <laughs> and then I have to look at Pip and I'm, I'm finally just crying. And, you know, I come to her and I take her hand and I do the whole thing of gesturing her downstage. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm re it's like the hardest battle to keep the tears because it's not what the moment is calling for, but the human being of me can't help but be human in that moment. And the lights go out and the blackout and I just release it. Um, I just, it was it's such a clear moment in my head of just like, I got, I got, I, I made it, I'm here, I'm okay, and I'm here, and I made it. 
and this this cast and this crew and this building saw me through it and and it was it was a goalpost for me it was it was literally through through everything i just kept thinking i want to be back i want to be back i want to be back and and so to have that moment be what it was i was back and uh to this day i mean i th i think i even i had a, a sentimental moment a few months ago um i was unpacking some things and i um leslie had organized sending meals to my home and the cast uh, collectively donated to, to do that and the meals would show up in these bags in my in front of my doorstep and uh you're supposed to return the bag the next, you know, leave the bag out so they could take the bag and you know, bring your, your, your fresh meals. And I took two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I took two bags and I, I held on to them because I wanted to remember what my cast had done. And um, it ended up that those bags were what I would use. I would sit in a chair, like sitting up at one point was like a big deal. <laughs> so as I was, you know, strength getting stronger to be able to sit up, I would I would take these empty bags, the two of them, and I would do arm curls with them or shoulder presses with them or like, you know, pretend I was using them as weights because in my head it was it was progress. It was getting mm -hmm. stronger. And then as, as uh, you know, when it, it dawned on me that the empty bag was really light, I would put some <laughs> socks in it or like some underwear and stuff and like get that as weight. And I, I was my whole mental game was like, you know, I'm building back and building back. And I, I, I moved into this apartment that I'm in now last year and I was unpacking something and I found the bags. I came across the bags and it moved me to um, reach out to Leslie and send him a message. And we just had another exchange of, of gratitude and love because they all were, were pretty extraordinary, really extraordinary. And I mean, from all of our producers, all of our creatives, all of the crew and the cast, it was, it was, uh, it was a beautiful, Thank you. Really, thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. God, let's sit with this for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll wrap up here with three closing questions I like to ask oh. everybody. <laughs> the first one is very simply is what motivates you? God, that's a great question. That's not simple. What <laughs> motivates me? I think my curiosity motivates me. I, I got involved in, and this is where the science and the theater arts relate, connect. Curiosity, exploration. I, 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 I'm not finished asking questions. And I, I, this, I, I, I mean, my whole point of being a performer is I, I never wanna play characters that are one dimensional or all the good guys, you know? I want to play the characters that are complex and difficult to understand and have light and dark all at the same time because that to me is real, that is me, that's who I am. I'm all over the map. You can find me one day, you know, posting meditation posts and the next day I am swearing like, like a, you know, like the bad words are coming out and they're through my fingers and I can't control it because something's happened and I'm pissed. You know, and, and, and that's real and that's me and that and I want to tell stories that ask that offer the audience a chance to explore that within themselves, that maybe they walk out feeling a little closer to parts of themselves that they don't really want to look at, but are there. 
And so that, I think that's what motivates me. I'm not done asking those questions and seeking those answers and, and, and what else are we about? I'm not done. That's what you need tattooed on your butt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I like that. that. I'm not done. Yes. I'm not done. That's the (laughs) t-shirt. Yep. All right. Next question then. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? I would say my, the one thing that took me forever to learn my piece of advice is please be gentle with yourself. Like there, I, I, I'm all about working hard. I'm all about earning everything. There's nothing in my life. I haven't earned nothing. I earned every single thing I have achieved. I put myself through NYU alone. I did that. Like there's nothing that was handed to me ever. And I'm all about that hard work. But what we what I really believe is the worst thing is while you're in the throes of whatever you're in the throes of, please take a breath and be gentle with yourself. Please be kind with yourself. There's going to be plenty of energy out there every day you leave your home that wants to silence you or make you small or defeat you or or stop you in your tracks or discourage you. Don't don't be that energy to yourself. Be be kind, be gentle, be your biggest freaking cheerleader. Mm. All right. Last question. Hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? In the Heights. Mm. No question. There's no question. (laughs) All right. Where can we find you online? Uh, You know, I'm still on Twitter every now and then, maybe like a full moon, you'll find me on Twitter. And that's at Jay Munoz actor. Um, But I'm really that's such a hot mess these days that I'm I'm just focused on Instagram. And that's Javier M. Official. Javier M. Official. (laughs) (laughs) Javier Sexy Hamilton. Javier M. Official. Lord have mercy. (laughs) That's like I've decided that that Sexy Hamilton is like my material girl. (laughs) It's like Madonna to this day is so called material girl. I'm I'm forever just gonna be sexy Hamilton. I'm gonna be like ninety with one hair on my head and eight hundred pounds and they're gonna be like sexy Hamilton. That's me, that's me, that's me. Well thank you. Javi God, it's been so great to be able to just sit here for an hour and and shoot the shit. You're you're incredible and you're amazing. And again, thank you for sharing your story. I know that was not easy, but hopefully it will help to to get some others through something they may be going through too. Yes, I would love that. (laughs) Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. Everybody, thanks for listening to this phenomenal episode with Javier Munoz. Make sure to find me online, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Leave a rating, leave a review. Make sure to hit those five stars. Tell your friends next to you, hey, man, I just listened to this great episode with Javier Munoz on the Theater Podcast. Check it out. Music by Jukebox the Ghost. See you next time. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. 